This is Angela Treat Lyon with Daring Dreamers Radio at IDareYouRadio.com, bringing you massive inspiration, powerful support, and uncommon resources for you daring dreamers. Today, I have a daring dreamer for you. I've been watching her and observing her <laughs> and reading her books and looking at her programs for probably 10 years now, and I've admired her from a distance and never really talked to her. Her name is Joan Sotkin. She's the founder of ProsperityPlace.com. She's the author of the two national awards-winning book, Build Your Money Muscles, Nine Simple Exercises for Improving Your Relationships with Money. She's been an author, a coach, a businesswoman who's helped thousands of people understand why they do what they do with their money and how to alter their financial behaviors so that they can have the prosperity and success they want. So, Joan, thank you so much for being my guest today. I really look forward to speaking to you and finding out all about your new stuff and the answers to some of the questions that I've got for you. All right. Well, it's really a pleasure to be talking to you. I've been aware of you for all this time too and it's so glad that we're so nice that we're finally connecting yeah. isn't it funny that we can we can know of each other and you know and i used to even live in santa fe which is kind of funny oh, really i didn't know that yeah. okay yeah so ah. i understand from your bio here that it was your personal experience that led you to look for the internal factors that help people's finances and that you were but I know about this about you that you used to have a gem shop. Is that part of what led you towards helping people with their finances? Yeah. Well, I had a crystal business. Uh, I had a uh, Jones Crystals, which was the first business to market crystals and minerals for healing and meditation nationwide. And it, it was something that came to me in meditation, and I, I, it was my first business, and I. I uh, built it up to the point where I had a line of stones called Jones Stones that were in 600 stores, and I was mailing wow. out 50,000 mail order catalogs at a time. This was before the Internet. And my final year, I grossed over $325,000. And I say my final year because I went bankrupt because <laughs> I had no idea how to manage $30,000 a month. Uh, I bought a lot of crystals, but that wasn't how to manage cash flow. <laughs> I had a good time. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, and it got out of hand. And I had a bookkeeper who came in three days a week, and I discovered that bookkeepers just do what you tell them to do and that I really needed a controller, but I didn't know that. And when it's your first business, you don't know what you don't know. And I made a lot of mistakes. I had always had money issues. My, I came from a debting family, and uh, I was going to Debtors Anonymous at the time, and, and I started going to Codependents Anonymous. And, and the bankruptcy really knocked me for a loop because I loved that business, and the, the emotional toll of losing it was enormous. And I had two brothers who were doing really well financially, and I, I wanted to know what, what was going on, and I realized that it really had to do with the emotions that, that I was acting out through my money and my business. And I come from a family where 
we're the only Sotkin family in, in the United States. We've never found another family with that same name. And my father, who was somewhat psychotic, uh, used this, had all these rules for Sotkins. Since we were the only ones, then he had these rules for Sotkins. And <laughs> Sotkins can't sing, Sotkins can't this, they can do that. And one of the things Sotkins couldn't do was feel. And it was like if you showed emotion in the house, it was then you couldn't be a Sotkin. And I was the the family feeler. You know, I I would cry for everybody, and you know, I was the identified patient. And once I I went to Codependence Anonymous, and I discovered that people would clap if I told them what I was feeling. I really started grossing out on on learning how to feel and understanding. <laughs> you know, like, let me tell you what I'm feeling because I know you're going to clap. I've learned to really let myself feel feelings. I don't see them as negative. I see some are more uncomfortable than others. But the more I let myself feel the feelings, the more alive I feel. And then I began to really see the connection between emotions and money. I, I got the hints when I was in Debtors Anonymous, but they didn't really give me the depth. And I came to understand that when you look at your bank balance and and you feel ashamed, that has nothing to do with the bank balance. They're just numbers. It's just little numbers, poor numbers. Everybody picks on them. And that shame comes from early childhood and your create, because I do believe we create our, our life stories, and you're creating a story that allows you to express unexpressed emotions. And, and when you stop feeling that shame, then you don't have to look at your bank balance and go, oh, my God, I should be making more money, and people my age should be making more, you know, all the things, the shoulds that people put on their shoulders. And, and, and it's gotten to the point where it's pretty deep. For example, recently I really got in touch with that the feeling of poor comes from not being touched as a small child or not bonding well with your parents. Wow. You know, so I've gotten, there, this stuff is not in any other books because I'm fascinated if we create our own reality, my question was, how do we do that? And I began to understand, you know, with the secret and everything they say, it's your thoughts. But no, it's much deeper than that. And I believe that the creative force on the earth plane is our emotions. Because the emotions are the bridge between your internal world and your external world. Your emotions are what inform your behavior. And your yeah. behaviors have outcomes. So if your behaviors are causing financial dysfunction, then you have to get to the emotion behind it. For example, I had a habit of creating financial crises so that my parents or my brother would have, I have two brothers, but one of them just, he wasn't going to enable me. The other one was an easy touch. And I would put myself in these positions where I had to be rescued. And being rescued was how I knew they cared for me, even though there was a lot of anger that was involved because they really didn't want to have to rescue me. But it was the system that I used. But in order to do that, I had to put myself in a difficult financial position. 
not consciously, as all happens unconsciously. And as time went on, I began to see how destructive that was and, and uh, told my, my mother never to rescue me again. And, and one day she hands me a check for $5,000 and says, I think you need this. And that's when I realized that she needed to rescue me as much as I needed to be rescued. And so I... <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> because we don't create our stories by ourselves. You know, there's two people involved. And I, I began to understand what I call self-directed passive-aggressive behavior. If I'm trying to control you financially, then I have to very often do something that hurts me, like over-shopping or over-debting or, or under-earning. And it's, it's not simple. The, the secret and the prosperity books that make it sound so simple, just do this and money will come in. Do this and you'll manifest. So I think those are very harmful because they leave people feeling very disempowered because, oh, why can't I do that? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I tried, I did all the affirmations and I have a treasure map and I keep doing affirmations and I'm still broke. I tithe and I do all the things you're supposed to do and I'm still broke. Well, it's because you're still carrying around all those family of origin emotions that have become part of your identity? That was a long answer yeah. to your short question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a great answer, and I, I really appreciated it. I, I, love the, I love the reference to you create your own story as opposed to you create your own reality because when people hear, yeah, I create my own reality, they go, no, I don't. That's impossible. Because it seems so huge, you know, it, it, it includes, um, well, did I create that car across the street or did I create France, you know? But if you say, I create my own story, that's really personal and it takes it down to the nitty-gritty and it says, yeah, how did I write my story? How did I do this? There are things that happen that would certainly appear out of our control, like Hurricane Sandy, which had a tremendous effect on a lot of people. Yeah. But it, it may be true that the the group Gestalt is what created that. Now, mm-hmm. in, we have, in effect, created because of our behavior with the planetary resources. So on some level, we, being all the cells on the planet, are creating the weather. I, I mean, it's... This is far deeper than any of us can possibly comprehend. We tend to put everything into three-dimensional concepts when we live in a multi-dimensional world. And there's no way we can actually explain what these things are. If I try to explain to you what synchronicity is and how it works, I'm going to use three-dimensional terms to explain that which automatically is wrong because it, it, it involves another dimension. So mm-hmm. I, that's why I've tried to boil down this theory to something relatively simple and how to deal with your immediate space, you know, and how you're creating your, you know, like if you have a series of stories that end in, in disappointment. Why do you have a disappointment habit? Where does that come from? Some people do disappointment, some people do abandonment, some people do both. We have these patterns in our life. And I want to know why does one person create wealth and one person creates endless 
uh, dramas and you know, where does this come from? And I don't think it's by accident. I think that we have a, a hand in creating it and that the emotions are the creative force behind our life story. You know, Joan, I really agree with that. And I've got a couple of questions for you. But the, the first thing I want to say to that is something that I've come across in being an EFT trainer. And that is, and, and you know what EFT is, but maybe people don't. Of course, so I emotional it, yeah. freedom techniques. So my experience is that, that it goes beyond the emotions. It's really the energy underneath the emotions. And it's what we think as we create as, as we respond and react to the movement of the energy in our body, would you agree with that? I see it a slightly different way. Let me, let me tell you how I see it. One of my questions that I ask so often is, why is it so hard for people to change? They go to seminars, they do all the work. Why is it hard for them to, work from, to move from position A to position B, to move from under-earning to free cash flow? There's... There's a picture in people's lives that remains the same. Even when they earn more money, they're still see, perceiving themselves as under-earners and they never have enough. In other words, they live in this just enough or, or not enough space, and it's hard for them to get into more than enough. So what I call it is the identity factor. I see that these emotions start in very early childhood, sometimes when you're first born. I was talking to someone today who was a, a premature baby, and she's become very aware of how that month in the incubator has really affected her. Because that's where, that's in that first week, is where you're, you start with your emotions and you learn them from your parents. And these emotions, you know, my father had a silk mill, so I, I see the analogy of weaving. And it's like the emotions are the warp around which our life stories are woven. But they're so much a part of us that, that we don't even realize that they're there. They're just part of the fabric of who we are. And it's part of our identity, our self-concept, our understanding of who we are and our place in the world. And any time you try to change that, no matter what technique you use, it's a threat to a person's identity, and so that's when the resistance comes in. And you can do EFT, you can do BSFF, which is another one of the energy psychology techniques. You can do a lot of stuff, and it's not unusual for people to slip back into old habits because that's what's most comfortable for them because it's their identity. And to me, right. that's, the ener that's the energy underneath. And that you have to be willing to say, okay, it's like with all the changes I've been through, I'm still Joni Sotkin, but how Joni Sotkin is in the world is very different from what it used to be. Well, I, I totally agree with that, and I think that makes so much sense. So, so you've discovered that even with tapping and energy work, it's still hard for people to change. How do you get people yes. to change? I can't get people to change. I can only guide them towards change. Well, you help know them what understand. I mean. Yeah, in in Build Your Money Muscles, my book Build Your Money Muscles. When I say when anything in your life changes, including your state of consciousness, you have to go through what I call the moving stupids. And the moving stupids 
is when you move from one house to another and you really want to be in the new house, but you get really stupid. You lose your wallet, you lose your key, you bump into walls, you can't find anything, because when, when everything changes, it's disorienting. So the hardest thing about people making long-lasting and, and, and significant change is going through the moving stupids. Once you start changing, you go into this, what I call the tunnel of transition, and it's dark in there, you have no idea how long it's going to last, and, and you just have to have the faith that you're going to come out the, on the other end better, and if you get all caught up in worry and the future thinking and all that stuff, then, then you go right back to where it's familiar, and where it's familiar is in your old emotions. So even right. if you're doing EFT or Be Set Free Fast, which is the one that I use most often, you are affecting the subconscious. But if you continue to think and behave in the old ways and you continue to feel in the old ways, then you're going to create the same stories and you're just going to reprogram the old stuff. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And it's the same thing that I teach. And so... I'm curious as to what do you do in order to, to help somebody change that pattern so that they no longer have to recreate that same pathway? Okay, so I, I've come up with what I call the three R's. Recognize, release, and replace. And the energy psychology techniques are pretty much recognize and release. And there is the replace the replace that has to happen. In other words, if I know that I have a disappointment habit, then I have to recognize when I'm feeling disappointed after some life story comes to a conclusion, okay? I recognize it. Then I do, I can do the energy psychology techniques. I have other techniques that involve sound and, and journaling and there's a whole bunch of things you can do. But then you have to practice a new emotion. You have to build up a new neural pathway in your brain. Mm -hmm. And this can only happen if you're willing to go through the moving stupids. Because it is going to change your life. And if you're really afraid of uncertainty, then you're going to go right back to where you were. So my job as a coach is to hold people's hand when they go through the moving stupids. On the, the membership program that I have, the Peace of Mind and Prosperity program, that's one of the things we do is we, we hold each other's hands while they're going through the moving stupids because what the people in your life change, uh, things look like they're falling apart because there's an energy to creation and one of those energies is destruction. It's like the god Shiva who dances and there's destruction before renewal. And, mm -hmm. and as you start changing, it sometimes looks like your life is falling apart. And it may be. That's what's happening on the planet now. We're, we're, we're going into this incredible state of chaos. And it doesn't look real good to people. looks great to me because it looks like we're stirring things up and we're getting ready for something new. But we, yeah. have, no idea, we have no idea how it's going to end. And that's what scares people, is that they don't know where it's going. Yes. 
if I have a disappointment habit, then I know how to respond to disappointment in whatever way I do it. If I keep getting what I want, I don't know how to respond to that. So you've got to build up new neural pathways that say, wow, this is awesome. Thank you so much. This is what, And this is what I expect. When you expect disappointment because it's been your habit all your life, you're going to get more disappointment. Mm-hmm. And so there's a point, and this is where the spirituality comes into play, I think, where you have to let go, where you have to trust somehow that if you walk over the coals, you're not going to burn your feet. I did the firewalk, so I, you know, it was something that I really had to face. I also got my pilot's license. And Woo! I remember when it was the day for me to solo, the instructor got out of the plane and said, okay, today's your day to solo. I sat on that tarmac for at least a half hour deciding that, I'd, that it was okay if I died, but I really wanted a solo. I had to come... <laughs> I had to let go. I had to be willing to face the consequences of what I was going to attempt to do. And it turned out to be the greatest thing I could have done. Sure. Awesome. So now you're a pilot. It was the getting the pilot's license that was really important to me because there was a lot of, I had given everything I owned away and I pretty much sat and meditated in different places for five years. And when I came back, I was the opposite of grounded. <laughs> and when I took the flying lessons, it really activated my left brain, which makes it possible now for me to be in in both places, to be in a high spiritual place and really grounded with finances. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Well, let me ask you a question because this is something I'm really curious about. Most people think that our money system it's the same way it's always been, and it isn't, because the, our money system used to be based on an actual physical gold standard. And now since, well, 1913, when things started to change radically, and then when Nixon gave up the gold standard, our system operates on a system of debt, which is completely opposite from the gold standard. Would you say that people don't understand how the system works and so that helps get them into even more trouble than they get anyway? Well, you can look at it from that point of view or you can say that they haven't learned to not listen to all the advertisements. In other words, people are allowing themselves to be manipulated by people who want their money. People vote against their own self-interest. I mean, it's amazing to me how they vote against their own self-interest. And but they don't know. We, how, how can, but it's how not can just, they... the, it's, it, it, it's right, and because they aren't taught in school. I think, you know, it's funny because when I went to school, I, you know, I'm, I'm no young chicken here. <laughs> when I went to school, <laughs> uh, we used to have to bring a quarter every Thursday to put into a savings account at school. Really? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so we we got the idea that you brought the quarter to school, and at the end of the year you had a couple of bucks. Now they're starting to teach children about money. I don't. People just aren't taught how to manage money. I am amazed. Well, I shouldn't be amazed because I went bankrupt at one point. How? But it, it amazes me how few business owners, practitioners, whatever you want, whatever the the venture, know how to manage their money. When you say the word cash flow management. 
people kind of cringe and go, oh, that's not something I want to know about. But if you don't know cash flow management, that's going to make it impossible for you to strategize with your money. And that's why people, if they're under earners or they, they're always at the, you know, they live paycheck to paycheck, or it's because they don't know how to manage what they have. Most under earners just don't know how to manage what they've got. And, and the more money they get, the worse they are at managing it. They just spend it or give it away or pay off debt too fast. They don't know how to move the money around the board, which has nothing to do with the gold standard. It has to do with managed money. And there's two different levels that you're talking about here. One is the global economy and, and the standard. You know, we could start looking at, at, at the trading that goes on with these high-speed computers, which make the stock market an entirely different thing than it was 20 years ago. But each of us has a certain amount of energy that we have to deal with. And if we were to teach people how to deal with this energy, then they would do a much better job of it. But people, business owners who don't keep track of their, their spending and their uh, earning, and with all the, the computer equipment that's available now, I mean, I, I couldn't live without QuickBooks. I love QuickBooks. It lets me run these reports and compare this month's income to my income three years ago in the same period of time. And you know, I, I mean, I can, I, I can play with the numbers and then I can strategize. I can see where my money's coming from. And when the trend changes, if, if I'm making a certain amount and my income starts falling, well, I can look at my numbers and say, well, where is it falling down? Is, is the trend cha- changing? And do I have to change what I'm offering? So, I mean, these to me, have become essential business skills. Not knowing them is why I went bankrupt. And so now, you know, I do a lot of work with this inner stuff, but it's, it, I also think it's absolutely essential to understand if you're going to be in business, which is about making money, <laughs> then you really <laughs> ought to learn how to deal with money. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, it seems pretty simple, right? I mean, that seems like a pretty simple equation. Well, it does seem simple, and yet there's so much resistance to it. I mean, you talked about financial literacy and skills. I'd say that people coach don't have a clue. You know, they think, oh, I'm going to be a practitioner, and people are going to pay me money, and that's as far as it goes. They don't yeah. know they're in business. I just did a, a small survey of my, my list, and uh, a majority are either practitioners or in business, and they obviously don't know that they're in business and they've never studied business. And then you'll hear things like, well, I'm not good with numbers. Why aren't you good with numbers? Because you've never played with them, you know. And there are things you can do. If you make a decision, to, and, and this is what the problem that I have with the more new agey approach to manifesting that were just kind of grates on me, uh, because you can manifest all the money in the world, but if you don't know how to take care of it, it's going to be gone. And there, that philosophy is missing this practical application piece of what do you do with the money when it's your hand. I just wrote a, recently wrote a, a blog post that, that suggested that people imagine that they had just won $10 million. And a lot of people 
fantasize about winning a lottery. Well, what would you do with the check? <laughs> what would you do with a check for $10 million? You're going to put it in the bank, then you're going to start worrying that the bank's going to fail and you're going to lose all your money. Who would you call? Who would you ask to help you with it, and how can you determine who that right person is? These are all things people should be thinking about if they're really planning on becoming prosperous. Yes, I agree. You can fantasize about winning $10 million, but are you going to get it in payments? Where are you going to place the money in one bank or many? Are you going to pay back your debts first? Are you going to buy some land? Are you going to give gifts away? What are you going to do for your business? There's so many different questions. Yes, yes. Every Every dollar is a decision. And people haven't learned how to make financial decisions. And along with that, if you win $10 million, it's going to change your whole life. And, and yeah. your friends are going to treat you differently, and you're going to have to be a wealthy person, not wish you were a wealthy person. I mean, there's all these issues that people don't think about. So, but bringing it down to today, and, and uh, particularly with practitioners and healers, they have to understand, first of all, that they're in business. And that if they're in business and they want to support themselves, then they have to learn about money, like it or not. That's part of what it is. I, you know, People say, well, I want to do what I love to do, and I hate the admin stuff. Then you shouldn't be in business for yourself because that's part of being in business. Some people, they just hand it over to a bookkeeper, and that limits their ability to strategize for the future. Well, let me ask you a question. You're talking about trends and money ups and downs and saying, well, you know, strategy as far as maybe I should offer this, maybe I should offer that. Mm-hmm. Here's something that I always used to ask myself as an artist. I would watch my trends and see my money going down, and I would think, how do I find the people who are going to help me make the money go back up again? How do you balance in your head the fact yes. that, yes, this trend's going down and I need to have it go back up again, but how do I make it do that? Marketing. <laughs> That's what marketing is all about. And most, That's a bad most, word. <laughs> most artists, I, 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 I live in Santa Fe where you know the deal, where it's mostly artisans and healers. And I gave two workshops on marketing your micro-business and had to spend a good part of the workshop convincing people that marketing is not a dirty word, that it's, <laughs> that it's spiritual to market. <laughs> you know? How can I yeah. – that selling – I love to sell. I was selling when I was 10 years old, and I don't know. I just got the sales gene. And to me, it's a wonderful skill because I'm helping people purchase what is going to help their life change. If you have a product that's going to change someone's life, but you don't know how to sell it to someone, they're not going to buy it, and their life is not going to be changed. You know, and that's, artists that's... artists are, are the worst when it comes to thinking of, there's a couple of artists I've, I've seen who have the smarts, and they do greeting cards, and they do do posters and cliches and, you know, they, get, they have different price points that people can come to their product. And, well, I'm an artist. That's too commercial for me. <laughs> you know? Well, then you're not going to make any money. <laughs> you know, you have to decide what you're going to do. Now, some artists make a lot of money from their art. But there are 
millions of artists. And in order to get to your, who, who, you have to find the people who resonate to what you're selling. And a lot of people like to look at art. Not everybody likes to buy it. So you have to put it in a form that they can buy it at, a, at an entry-level price so that they get used to buying art. Okay, so, so these are the things that, you know, artists go to art school, but they don't go to business school. That's for sure. You, either have to, <laughs> you, you have to get someone to help you with your marketing. Marketing is not a dirty word. It's what allows you to bring your gifts to the world. I had to take two months off because I slipped on a grape at the supermarket, <laughs> hit my head really hard, oh, and, wow. uh, and it was like being stoned for two months. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And so my income went down. So I had to figure out a way of generating money quickly. It's not difficult. You have to just be willing to do it and to say, okay, who's my market? What do they need? What do I need to learn about my market? What problem am I solving for my market? What emotional uh, problem or emotional need am I satisfying for them? Art often satisfies a need for beauty, a need to have more than your neighbors. There's a, there's a number of things that artists can appeal to. Every purchase is emotional. So you have to understand the emotional state of your prospective clients in order to appeal to them. Does that make sense? That makes all kinds of sense. You're not really marketing to them. You're, you're soothing their wounded emotions or that which they're craving. And a lot of purchases are made because people feel deprived. I mean, people who spend thousands of dollars on, on designer clothes and can't afford it, because they feel deprived. And my goal is to help people understand why they behave the way they do with their money so they can make more rational choices. Rational, constructive, yeah. So yeah. let's talk about the program that you've come up with. I'd like to tell people about it so that they can take advantage of what you do and heal their financial problems. You can find it at peaceprosperityprogram.com. Well, the Peace of Mind and Prosperity program actually has been ongoing for three years. And one of the reasons I'm really promoting it now is because it's had such a positive effect on so many people. And it's very simple. It's uh, two teleclasses a month, and they get an email every three days designed to keep them on path, and we help put them together with people. Because it's very clear to me that in order to change your financial identity, okay, that's how you're, you normally are with money, that it takes time and you can't do it alone because you're going to keep getting your, in your own way. And mm -hmm. remember, I don't call it sabotage. I call it self-protection. When it looks like sabotage, you're really protecting your identity. And by being in a group situation, you get to hear other people's stories and you realize you're not the only one doing this. And it immediately empowers you and you realize that what you're doing is not to be ashamed of. It's just normal human behavior. Mm -hmm. and, and what is new now is that we're offering a two-week free trial and I have so much faith in this program. I'm gearing it now 
to small business owners and practitioners. And so during the calls, we talk about marketing and we talk about getting over resistance and people complain about I'm not getting enough clients and we say, okay, let's look at it. And we have people from all all different financial levels. We have a person who makes a very high salary and is building a business on the side. And what we deal with is the fears that people go through and their doubts and the feeling of aloneness. The worst part about being in business for yourself is the yourself part. And it's very difficult to create something really, really spectacular in a vacuum. I know I couldn't do it. There are people I talk to on a regular basis and get their feedback because you're, you know, if you're just doing it by yourself, it's you that's looping around and around, and you got to bring some other stuff in. So this program is well tested at this point of twenty-seven dollars a month. Whoa, that's so inexpensive. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm into volume. You know, it's like I started out in the mail order business. I used to mail out a lot of catalogs. My line of stones, Joan Stones, that was in 600 stores, were these little boxes with a stone and instructions that were really instructions for meditate. They were selling for $3.59 a piece retail. And now that would be about $6. And i just been trained to market to the masses. My heart goes to the people who suffer. And I know a lot of people say you should be selling your coaching for hire and this sort of stuff. But that's not my audience. My audience are the people who think they're stuck where they are. And you're not. You know, you're just acting out these family of origin emotions. And let's get mommy and daddy out of your life and find out where your brilliance is. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Pack up. There's a critical parent in your head and you Pack it up and send it to go live with one of your siblings or one of your relatives. You don't need to keep your parents in your head. <laughs> okay, see you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah, right. So, And I like to do things with a sense of humor, obviously, because if I take myself too seriously, I'm in big trouble. Uh, when, you, when you're Joni Sotkin, you can't do that. <laughs> so, uh, so my goal is I always say I want to be Jewish mother to the world. Eat first. We'll talk later. And what I try to do with with this program is to just love everybody and teach them how to love themselves. Well, that's so sweet. I just really like that. Because that's mean, what it's really all about. Stuff it actually is. And so it's a matter of creating those new neural pathways where my favorite, the thing that I use to help myself, I would, I like applause. I, you know, I, I just like applause. I'm a, I'm a performer. And I would walk around the house clapping my hands, saying, Joni's a good girl and can have whatever she wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, here. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and, and there are certain things that you can learn to do in your head. Like one of my favorites is, if one of us has to be uncomfortable, it doesn't have to be me. the corollary to that is no is a complete sentence i mean it's it's a matter of learning to to love and take care of yourself as if you're a person you love that is the bottom line to the whole thing love is the healer so make sure you check out joan's program
you can find it at peaceprosperityprogram.com. Well, I, I really agree. And one of the things, you know, you talk about the habit of disappointment. I think that you chose that for today because that's been mine. <laughs> You know, I know and, at least I know at least two other people with that with that problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I've had to train myself to think instead has been, "Wow, things are falling apart. Something amazing must be about to happen." Okay. Well, and because, that's true. It's it's possible. You know, if you're imagining a future, that's a, a fairy tale. So you might as well make up a good fairy tale. Yeah, darn right. Because one of the things that I've really loved about my life is that things come out of the blue to me. You know, things yes. come in the mail. Things come in little gold bags that friends bring over. Just the other night, somebody brought me a, a little gold bag, and it had a big wad of cash in it. And I'm thinking, whoa, talk about amazing. This is incredible. But let me ask you a question. Okay. Are you afraid that if you have a lot of money, that that kind of love being shown to you won't be shown to you anymore. Well, my, the first thought that comes up is no. In other words, right now you're using, you're creating, you're manifesting those <laughs> stories as a way for you to know that other people love you. Um, I think so it's what, one of the ways. Okay, but what would you replace that way? What would you replace it with? Why would I replace it? Why would I replace things coming out of the blue to me? Because if, it, it, you know, there's usually an, an expectation that if I have, say, a million dollars, no one's going to just hand me a bag of cash because they know I don't need it. You have to be aware of how being in a, in a situation of need allows you to feel the love that's coming in. I want to ask people who are listening as well. Are they afraid that when they have enough, that it will limit the amount of compassion, empathy, whatever, that they get from other people? I see what you're saying. So in other words, let's say I'm a disappointment person and somebody comes yes. over with a gift for me. Yes. Is it going to happen again or do I have to get into another state of disappointment? Right. In other words, do I have to have lost something in order to gain something? Right. But if I'm in a constant state of uh, accumulation and satisfaction and, if you will, manifestation, are people still going to come over and plop things in my lap or are they going to say, oh, she's got enough, let's gift it to somebody exactly. else? Exactly. Because it's true that as people gain in wealth that it is a somewhat separating position. So make sure you check out Joan's program. You can find it at peaceprosperityprogram.com. And Joan, if you had one tip that you could leave people with today, what would it be? Love yourself. Forgive yourself. Be okay with who you are. Oh, Joan, that's too simple. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have some kind of long... <laughs> Process I have to go through. <laughs> you, know, you said one tip. Sign up for my newsletter. I send out tips all the time. Um, I started. I have a YouTube channel now. If you search on YouTube for Joan Sotkin, 
you'll find all my stuff, including when I jumped off the top of a 60-foot telephone pole and I, I, on a ropes course. <laughs> oh, my God. You did that plunge. too, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to push myself to, to places where I didn't think I could go. Well, now, let's go back to love yourself. What is one thing people do to not love themselves? They say should all the time, should, ought, and must. Another thing is they compare themselves to other people. It's the should. I should be making more money now. I should do this. I should do that. That's your, your, your parent in your head. Get rid of it. And the shame, when you're ashamed of your bank account, then you're ashamed of yourself. And you're not willing to say, I am this unique individual. No one else on the entire planet has the same combination of things that I am. And if I'll love myself, then I can help the world love me. And the way they show it in our society is they hand you a dollar, okay? <laughs> when you... <laughs> That's true. Pride. <laughs> when you feel loved, accepted, acknowledged, and appreciated, you are going to get paid. But in order to feel that, you have to do that for yourself. Joni's a good girl and can have whatever she wants. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Get it saying that you put in your head either good job or I love you, whatever it is, where you just tell yourself over and over again how terrific you are. Oh, but that would mean that I've got a fat ego. No, it means that you're <laughs> willing to love yourself. <laughs> if you have a habit of denigrating yourself, trust me, it's going to take years to get a fat ego. <laughs> well, that's true, isn't it? Yes. Well, Joan, this has really been a lot of fun. I'm so delighted that we were able to get together and do this, and I'm excited about your peace of mind and prosperity program, and especially the fact that it's so inexpensive. I mean, that's just yes. a steal. And if you are having trouble, not you, Joan, but people listening, if you're having trouble with money and it just won't end, I highly recommend this program. Joan's work has really been proven to be fantastic and effective. So make sure you check out Joan's program. You can find it at Peace Prosperity program.com. Dive into the goodies and sign up for Peace of Mind and Prosperity program because I think it will make a huge difference in your life. And Joan, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's really been a pleasure to hear you laugh and hear all your good advice. Thank you. This was great. I, you know, I feel like I know you, and this was really fun. And once someone starts laughing at what I'm saying, I get really funny. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, you know me; I love to laugh, so it's, it's yeah. And to, to me, laughter is as good as clapping. So, and you did both. <laughs> Here we go. Right, well, let's, let's stay in touch. Okay. Okie dokie. Okay. So this is Angela Treat Lyon with Daring Dreamers Radio at idareyouradio.com. Make sure you check out Joan's program. You can find it at peaceprosperityprogram.com. And I implore you, please, to 
be audacious, be bodacious and outrageous and bold and as alive as you can possibly be. And we'll see you on the next show.